Cassie Profassi. Cassie Profassi. I think it might be the Cassie Profassi. Because <laughs> that's funny. Sounds like the name of a wizard. I'm Cassie Profassi! <laughs> Abracadoodle, it's me, Cassie Profassi! <laughs> This is absolutely going to be like the the stinger audio at the beginning of the podcast. and welcome to another episode of Who Is My Doctor? Who is my doctor? Who is indeed? I am your host, Zach, and I know a lot about Doctor Who. And I am also your host, Cassie, and I do not know anything. And I'm very excited about this episode. I've been sort of looking forward to this basically since we started. (laughs) Why is that, Zach? Because this this is where the show really picks up. And I'm not I'm not going to try like if you if you don't like it, I will understand this is not me trying to sway your opinion, but this is where a lot of people really got the show and also where they where a lot of people got what Christopher Eccleston was doing. So uh, because you have not said it at all, the name of this episode is a Dalek, which to my understanding, Dalek pronounced Dalek, 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 Dalek. Yes, this is our first time seeing uh, the uh, uh, the Daleks, a Dalek. <laughs> Dalek. Uh, this is like the golden looking robot, yeah? Um, so Very mo- 1975, lost in space, lost saucer, far out space yes, nut, these are sort of. Th- so the Daleks. Inspirated, of- inspired <laughs> by my favorite space shows from the 1970s, a la Sid and Marty Croft. Honestly, this might have inspired them rather than vice versa. This appeared in the second ever Doctor Who story. Okay. Opposite. Um, most wa- of those were 1975. Yeah. The Daleks are one of the most iconic species in all of science fiction, not just Doctor. Like, they're the most iconic species in Doctor Who, certainly. More than that, they're one of the most iconic species in all of science fiction to the point where they just show up in stuff. One of them has a cameo in Looney Tunes back in action. Okay, okay, so there is a very good possibility that even if I didn't know what it was from this show, which, what little I know about this, I do know. Like, you've almost, like, I I know you said you've seen, like, them at cons, but you've almost certainly seen them in the background of other things. Oh, yeah, I'm 100% sure that one pops up in Futurama. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Oh, I, I... can think of at least one instance off the top of my head where someone shows up in Futurama. And there was a con I went to where there was a very talented individual that made a Dalek ball gown. Yeah, they are an incredibly iconic thing. Like, and part of it is also the Daleks are why, are more or less why Doctor Who became as big as it did. Um, is that because, marketable, like particularly marketable or just... I don't think it was intended to be marketable. It was meant to just be another Monster of the Week. It wasn't a Baby Yoda incident? It was not a, It was not designed to be, the mar- to be the thing they marketed, but kids went nuts for Daleks. Like, there, there's a term for it called Dalek mania. Interesting. It, Wait, why children, though? It's, I don't, I don't know. I guess it just captured their imaginations at the time. Fascinating. Like, I, I couldn't speak... I mean, obviously, I wasn't a child in the 60s, so maybe it was just that... Wait, so it happened at, like, 
the second they came onto the scene, then they were popular. Ba- yes. Whoa. Like they were the second story Doctor Who ever had. When did the when did moon landing? When did all that stuff happen? Uh, that would have been about sixty two. Sixty nine. We well we went to the moon Eight. in like nineteen sixty nine is when we went to the moon. Well, because uh, it's it's the what well, the point that I'm getting at here is the desire for space is. Like that, that yes. is something that yeah, is, it, that is a theme. That is a story. That is something that has captured the imaginations. Of- yeah. The space race between the U S and the USSR was really steaming up then. So just the idea of space at the time was really going on in a lot of people's minds, but I couldn't tell you why specifically the Daleks took off. I don't know if it was just that they were desperate for sci-fi or if it's just that the design of them is so good. They're like roundy, right? Like round. Uh, they're like often dome. described as a pepper pot. Okay. Um, like a salt shaker. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so they're sort of they're sort of salt shaker shaped. Um, they have some slight variations over the years. Um, they have, for for lack of a better description, one arm looks like a plunger and one arm looks like a whisk. That's fun. Like it's uh, it's hard to overstate how important the Daleks are to Doctor Who, and what's amazing about that is the BBC does not own the rights to the Daleks. Wait, why? <laughs> uh, because back when they started making Doctor Who, they didn't. They couldn't really afford to own the rights to everything because yeah. the show was brand new. So the guy that made them, his estate still owns the rights <gasps> to, the, to the character. Whoa, whoa. Um, they first appeared in 1963. So everything that you grew up with from like Sid and Marty Croft... Lost in Space, all of those iconic, like, 70s shows borrowed from from this sort of stuff. Um, in fact, a lot of, like, classics, a lot of Classic Who influenced a lot of television in a way that I don't fully think everyone realizes a lot of the time because it sort of faded out. You and I had the, or we're talking about it the other day, of how a lot of OG Who is lost to time. Yeah. Um, well, specifically the first two Doctors, but the story for the Daleks still exists all of it's still available i have it but the but the daleks are still owned by terry nation's estate which i believe is his family um i don't i, I i'm not 100 on that part i don't know that i don't know that deep but terry nation's estate still owns the daleks so part of the rule for new who is uh, the daleks have to show up every season or they <laughs> or they lo- or their basically lease of the daleks runs out that's so funny um so there have been obligatory a co- Dalek. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, but in fairness, though, the Daleks are. I mean, there's there's some debate you could say between this and one between the Daleks and one other character that we'll get to later on. But the Daleks are m- more than anyone else the arch nemesis of the Doctor, or okay. the, the arch nemesis of the Doctor. Interesting. Um. Like I don't think it's I. I You're spilling a lot of beans. I am for spilling me. some beans here. Um, but it also leans into a lot of this. So, I, I know I've given a lot of way here, but I still haven't detailed much more than just like a very broad stroke of it. We've been sticking with this idea of you predicting two things in an episode, but I want them both to be Dalek themed. So I'm going to have two different Dalek themed things. I want you to describe to me what a Dalek looks like inside the machine. Oh, no! And I'm also going to have you describe... Uh, describe there's an inside? There's an inside. Oh, it's, it doesn't crud. just It doesn't just look like a robot. It's a machine. Fuck! Um, okay. But I'll, in addition to that, I also want you to try and t- tell... But I, and you could do this first if it makes it easier for you. Uh, <laughs> describe to me 
the general personality of a Dalek. I think a Dalek is a big fucking nerd. A big fucking nerd? I my my think is that or my my think. Yeah. Like a lawful evil, maybe. Where Ooh, okay. Yeah, I, I think that that is, they are simply following whatever their protocol is, whatever their rules, which are anti-doctor. Because <laughs> my, my thought is, if they, if you're describing them as the, like, antagonist of the doctor, and they show up and have been showing up, they are following the doctor, they're chasing the doctor... If you are a being that can travel through space and time, to happen upon the same thing more than the once feels unlikely and unpro- improbable. Okay. So I think the Dalek has something against, has some beef against the Doctor. That they're like they're they're like mo is to specifically go after the Doctor. Yes. Okay. So that that's my first that that'll be the first thing is that okay, so that's the personality guess. Yeah. So. So yes, what we have identified as the Dalek is just for lack I don't for trying not to give it away. It, it, okay, for context, I think that the Dalek has the same motive as the snail that's chasing you down, unending, but in turn you get a million dollars. But the snail <laughs> will always know where you are and is always on the hunt for you. Okay. I think that's the Dalek in this case is the snail. Okay. I if it changes your opinion any and this is not I, I just want to make sure I didn't make, mix something up for you. The Dal there are Daleks. It is not just one Dalek. Hmm. Like the Daleks are a species. I didn't know that. I thought it was just the one. Okay. I, I, it felt unfair if you were... It felt unfair to if you felt like I was misleading you. So I want to be very clear. The Daleks are a species. Hmm. Why would several of them be after the Doctor, though? That's my new question. Well, I mean, that could be... I mean, if you want to pivot away from that instead of... Learning that, I know, but then I also don't know what the relation between Doctor and Dalek would be. Because the only thing I have be, now it, I, is... With, antagonist. I'm, I'm trying really hard not to like. So give my only away. other thought would be, cool. These are the motherfuckers asserted the war. The, so the the doctor is often an obstacle to what the Daleks are trying to do, and that is why they hate him. Okay. Uh, but there is something very specific the Daleks are trying to do. Like they they have a general goal that the doctor takes considerable umbrage with. Okay, so I, I'm going to... I'm going to redo it. They have the bender goal. They need to kill all humans. Okay. Kill all humans. Kill all humans. Must kill all humans. I think that's that's all Dalek's thing is kill all humans. Kill all... That's their whole thing? Yeah. And the doctor's just like, nope, can't have that. Yeah, sorry. That's super not okay. As confusing and, and weird and squishy as they can be, they don't. You can't kill them. <laughs> okay, so so I'll put that in there instead. The, their goal is kill all humans. I, yeah, I'm really trying to figure, to figure out how to describe these things without giving so much of it away that it feels... that Because I, I, I want it to feel 
good for the audience that you get when you guess things, and I also want it to feel good for you when you get stuff right yeah. that I just like hand you a thing. Because the audience sides with me <laughs> only all the time, always. I, assume, I would assume that anyone listening to this podcast is a huge Doctor Who fan and therefore hates it when people get stuff wrong, and so they want you to get stuff right. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody who knows so little about this show, I really need several wins. I have, I, I'm not on a good streak, folks. <laughs> You're, you've been at exactly fifty percent for a little bit now. Basically, since episode two, you've been dead on fifty percent. I know. Um. Well, let's see if we can get you past that a little bit. What we, so what we identify as a Dalek is an out is basically just an outer casing. Yeah. And I'm not going to describe it any more than that just to try and avoid, you know, giving too much away. So what do you think the actual Dalek inside that casing looks like? Oh my god. Okay, since there's several, is it a little creature? I'm not telling you, you're guessing. (laughs) Okay, so I think that the Dalek is actually, like, the robot part is, is like a shell I think mm-hmm. there's like a little a little man inside. A little man. A little creature. A little a little guy. Can you get any more specific than that? Because I feel like me saying there's something inside the Dalek, and you're like, yeah, it's a little guy, and I'm like, that's yeah, kind of what I'm already hey, saying. Anything can be a little guy. I just I'm just anything trying. Anything can. I don't be a need you to guy. get like gender neutral term. Just a little guy. <laughs> I just I just need some. I don't want like you don't have to get super specific, but I, I do I do want to see if I can get you a little bit further Ugh. than little guy. I feel like little guy's cheating. No, no, it's not. Because if you were because like the alternative is like yeah, it's just a just a human man sitting in there, and I'm well, like yeah, obviously. Well, it's not a human man. It's just a little guy. I don't know. Well, it's like when you picture little guy, is it like cute? Is it ugly? (laughs) Is it cute? Is it ugly? Does it look like a human? Does it look like an animal? Does it, what is? It's just a little guy. Do you expect (laughs) me to sit here and explain to you the definition of a little guy? I expect you to explain the definition of this particular little guy. You can be a little guy. Monty's (laughs) a little guy. Uh, the little stuffed crow I have sitting above us. That's a little guy. I feel like you're buying time right now trying not to describe <laughs> the quote-unquote little guy. Well, because the one thing that comes to mind is like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if it was just like a hamster? But that's also because I just watched a bunch of Baldur's Gate clips, so I'm thinking about Minx and Boo. <laughs> and I know that it's not a hamster. I just want it to be. Well, what do you, Well, if you know that's not what it is, then what do you think it is? <laughs> oh, okay. It like I'm not like if you hit near the target, you still get a point. I have hit near the target. The target. No, just... you have described what the target is. The target's really big and vague. <laughs> so I Which is it. why I'm trying to shrink the target down a little I've bit. I've hit it. I've hit the target. Oh my goodness. I don't know. Because I've already said it's just a little it's a little nerd then. Is that better for you? Because I've already described Daleks as big old nerds. So there's a little nerd inside of it. Is that better? It's just a bunch of little dudes that look like you. <laughs> so that's what you're putting a pin in, it's a bunch of little guys that look like me. No! <laughs> because I know that's wrong. My god, imagine if I wasn't wrong though. Oof. You open it up and it's just like, I'm Pickle Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Funniest shit I've ever seen. Oh my god. It's just, it's just Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> it's a bunch of claymation. 
Little guys. Wallace and Gromit. They're also little guys. <laughs> are you saying Wallace and Gromit are inside the Dalek? You know what? Just for shits and giggles, yes. <laughs> Watch me get this whole episode wrong now. Because I know Wallace and Gromit aren't in there. <laughs> well, I'm giving you the opportunity. What do you think? Like, just take a wild guess. Oh, my God. What kind, what kind of little guy's in there? Like a Gumby. Like a Gumby? Like a Gumby. Like a little shapeshifter. Okay. I think you need to lean into the mic a little bit when you say It's like it. a little Gumby. It's like a little shapeshifter. Okay. So, something that doesn't quite have a form is what you're... No. Okay. Either that or like a... Yeah, not... Something without a form will keep it that vague. Okay. Because I don't want to say anything else. Because then I'll be... Then I'll get the... Oh, you sure? You're going to lock in on that one? Are you sure you're going to lock in on that one? <laughs> <laughs> It's a thing without a face. It's a thing without a face? It's a thing without a face or a form. Alright, so no eyes, nose, mouth, none of that? Fuck you, dude. <laughs> I'm just, I just want to make sure I have a clear... It's a I want to make little clear what guy. <laughs> I'm writing little guy in my notes. <laughs> in the Cassie Profassi. Can you imagine if we go through all this and it's not a little guy? <laughs> <laughs> the past 30 minutes wasted. <laughs> Is this another brain in a jar situation? Is it just like a... Do you call it? Like, a, call? like an intellect devourer just controlling? You're, so you're putting money and brain in a jar? Yeah, because I can also kind of be a little guy. <laughs> Alright, so she's going with so she's going with a brain in a jar that wants to kill all humans is her is her description of a Dalek. Oh man, I know I'm wrong. Ugh. <laughs> Well, we will find I out. I cheat before these episodes. I need one right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will find out if you are right or wrong after we watch this episode called Dalek. Can't get much more specific than that, folks. Uh, yeah, you can by just calling it a little guy. <laughs> by watching this episode of Doctor Who called Lil Guy. Just a little guy. <laughs> just a little guy. <laughs> we'll be back in just a minute. Wait, hold on. There's a joke here with Dalek standing for dust a little a, a guy. It's not working. Never mind. Bye. Who is my doctor is brought to you by the alphabet. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. I J K L M N O P Q R S T U V W X Y and Z. <laughs> now you know your ABCs, and let's get back to the show. And we are back. Exterminate from. <laughs> from Season one, from series one, episode six, Dalek. Ah, exterminate. <laughs> so. I'm very close with that one. <laughs> so you are. Uh, I was right. You were, you were right. I was right. You were right. That they're, they're, they're not, that you were close enough to the target on both cases. I will count both 80% of them. 80% correct, yeah. which is still a passing yeah. grade. Because their big thing is kill all humans. But it's not just humans. It's. Everything in existence that is not Dalek. Okay, but it is still, I was still correct in the annihilation of 
Yes, I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm giving you full credit for the points. On, I'm giving you full points on these. Uh, this is not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not denying it. I'm just clarifying. And while you and you know you said brain in a jar, I was hoping you would get closer to squid, but they do have a very prominent brain, and it doesn't seem to be able to survive outside of its little uh, robot carapace. I mean, it certainly has lived for. You know, it said 50 years in that one thing. Just based off of its posture inside of its little uh, cubby, I suppose is the word. It didn't look like it's it could survive. I I would consider that a brain in a jar. <laughs> a I mean, like squid I said, in I, a cubby. I will, I will count both things for you, you especially because that is, yep. it is a kind of little guy. That little guy doesn't look that dissimilar from like an intellect devourer from... From D and uh, it just has tentacles instead of feet. So I know previous episode was them doing a. Uh, we're gonna do a satire of a thing that happened in American history. <laughs> Henry Van Staten was the most American thing I have ever seen. <laughs> I mean, good God. What in the Elon Musk is this? I mean, the irony of you pointing out Elon Musk is Elon Musk is not American. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he's South that. African. Uh, I don't know that. Uh, yeah, he, well, but his businesses. Yeah, he, all of his. It, it's the American ideology. It yeah. doesn't matter what the ethnicity or what race is in this context. Yeah. It is the, this is the fulfillment of the American dream to a billionaire. Yes. Which is, I own the internet and I own everything. I have 46 or 47 floors of underground storage. I think, it was, I think it was 54 actually. 54, yeah. 46 is the is where the like bulkheads were. But I have 54 layers and levels of collectibles okay. and alien paraphernalia that nobody will see because I yearn to see the stars I yearned, underground. I used to, I yearned to be a part of the, it. Was like, it seemed like you yearned to own the stars. Yes. And it, it was that it's the, if you have a lots and a lots of a money, that's what I mean by American in this context. I, it, it was the most like greed fueled capitalistic bullshit I've ever seen. Mm hmm. Even down to the, in his office, he has an American flag. Yeah. Which, uh, it, I know that America out of any other country has you, the flag fucking everywhere. Did you like that it was set in the future of 2012? Yes, because that also did feel uh, accurate. Yeah. It was, it was kind of funny that they, you know, were talking about the president in 2012 and like, well, who should the next president be? And they went a Democrat. And I'm like, well, that's the same guy. You just keep the same guy. It's Barack Obama. So this was your first exposure to a Dalek, and I know you were kind of gigg- <laughs> I know you were kind of giggling at them the whole time because they are they're very silly, but they're a very like sincere kind of silly. Like they don't hide from it. They just it's it's also the fact that like it just sounds like a big fucking nerd. <laughs> I mean, it was probably designed by a big fucking nerd. So <laughs> on the surface, like it just sounds funny. It looks a bit dumpy rolling around because it's not, it's not, it's friend shaped. <laughs> it's friend height. It looked like it was about five, six, which is not that far off from me. There's just a lot of like juxtapositions in this 
thing that wants nothing more than to kill everything. Because as soon as it whipped out its little not lightsaber and started electrocuting people to where you could see their skeletons and nothing else, that's fucking scary. Yeah, they do a real, I think they do a really good job of like taking this iconic thing from the 60s, you know, and one of the silliest points in sci-fi history just because of the limitations at the time. And Gee, will they cause. don't run from, they don't hide from what it is, but they take what exists and still make it work. And also, like, when the guy gets the suction cup on his face that, and you see his skull starting to, like, shrink in. To liquefy and implode. Yeah. Yes. Like, they do a really good job of selling you on Daleks as being fearsome, as being terrifying, that when bullets approach it, they just disappear. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Van Staten going, everybody stop shooting at it. Don't leave a dent in it. It's like, brother, there are no bullets. Your guns mean nothing I to it. There's a part of me that almost wishes that when he had demanded they stop shooting it and he hears the gunshots and he's like, good, they finally stopped that he realizes, oh, it's because they died. <laughs> Everyone's fucking dead. So that first scene where the doctor meets the Dalek uh, the doctor recognizes them from a single word. <laughs> Impossible. Because that, because their voices are so iconic. Oh my god, I'm just their voices did the same thing. Like it, it was, it scratched a part of my brain that I really love getting scratched. Mm -hmm. I can't describe it any more than that. Yeah, well, that is a that I think that is. Specific to people with ADHD know exactly what I'm talking about. Because <laughs> there are certain... It's particularly, at least for me, like, there are certain voices. Because um, there's that one animator that we watch on, on YouTube that does a very similar thing with his voice. And it, like, scratches that same part of my brain. So you're talking about uh, James Lee? Yes. He does the same sort of, like, augmented there's still like a robustness in the voice, but there's enough other stuff going on. Like the that grit to it just set, just yeah. pulls it enough yeah, away. Yeah, it's from a little being, gravelly. Yeah, there's a there's a grit to it that pulls it away from sounding like a human voice. So it's like it hits it hits that pit. It hits like the uncanny valley of voices in a way. And it, it also in this particular instance, it's because there are still inflections on certain words that there shouldn't have been. Like what? I can't think of one. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> where that definitely has an exclamation point afterwards, but there's nothing else about it that would indicate so because it doesn't go up. Um, there was a moment where it did say something where it kind of, I don't remember the word exactly, but it did go like, because eh? <laughs> I made the motion with my hand because it, uh, it made me giggle. Yeah. And that's how I see, uh, that's how I see sound sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and them thinking that it's going to be taken. <laughs> that it's been beaten by a flight of stairs and then it just starts floating. I will say that's also borrowed from the classic series is because they rolled around on the floor. At one point, they do joke that Daleks can't climb stairs. So they decided to address that now because now they have the technology to make a Dalek fly. Yes. They are no longer hindered by stairs. So um, funny. God, the universe's most powerful being 
just getting annihilated by a flight of stairs well, it, is so funny. It's not the dumbest thing they've been annihilated by. So the idea is also that as the Daleks progress, they do get more they do get more sophisticated. But it's all but it's always because their <laughs> their their problems throughout history have been kind of stupid. Uh, stairs is an obvious one. Uh, it used to be that they that their bases were magnetic, so if you got them off oh, the metal no. floor, they would just kind of roll. <laughs> Um, there was, there's a, there's a spinoff movie, um, back in the sixties where, um, it, it doesn't really feel like Doctor Who in the sense that they sort of stole a lot. They, they took a lot of the names, but they made a whole different story with it. Mm. And it's just Peter Cushing playing that version of, of a guy named Doctor Who, who invented a time machine. Uh, the Daleks are the enemies in both of them, but in one of them, the Daleks just, like the climax of the movie is the Daleks going haywire and rolling all over the floor and smashing into one another. It's amazing. Um, it sounds like mayhem. It is. That sounds awesome. <laughs> but that so not to not to derail from our humorousness here, uh, but that no, I could not. I couldn't stop. They're just they're so scary. I love them. Yeah, they're they're. They're exactly. Like, it's so stupid. It's so stupid, but effective, and it's like I. It's it feels like it it has very big D and D energy yeah. for sure. Yeah. Even down to it taking down an entire army by triggering the fire alarm to make the sprinklers go off, and then electrocuting the floor. Yeah. And then electrocuting the metal grating they were all on. Jesus, like. Yeah, I mean, they really they do a good job of selling how dangerous the entire species must be if one Dalek can do that much. Well, because also considering this was a Dalek that, in a span of like 0.3 seconds, learned the entire internet. Yeah, if which I <laughs> also makes me laugh. Knowing that there is now a part because the year is 2012, there are memes at this point. <laughs> so the Dalek has a robust knowledge of memes and also nuclear warfare. We, we, we learned very quickly that the that the Dalek is not changed by Rose Tyler's DNA, but because it downloaded a few too many like grumpy cat memes. <laughs> My God, it hates Mondays now. <laughs> It hates Mondays as well as every species in existence. I mean, if I download... But it loves lasagna. <laughs> I mean, if I... I just exist on the internet for your, for a few minutes, and I kind of want to exterminate all of humanity. So I get it. I, I get it, Dalek. I understand. Because, let's see, the year 2012 was my sophomore, junior year of high school. Yeah. So I'm just... I'm going back to the those good old... Those good old days. God. Of internet meme. The Dalek absorbed all of Tumblr. <laughs> that poor... Like, that poor space Nazi. It has so much furry fan art on it. <laughs> <laughs> My God, it's conflicted for so many reasons. Yeah, and then... Oh, not man. to Not to derail our fun here, but I do want to talk about uh, Christopher Eccleston's performance against the Dalek. Yeah. Like when I told I told you earlier that a lot of it people... had it, he he had big actor moments. Yeah. There's a couple notes I want to have about this uh, that I think are really interesting. When uh, Christopher Eccleston and Nicholas, Nick Christopher Eccleston sort of pulled Nicholas Briggs aside. Nicholas Briggs is the guy who voices the Daleks. 
Uh, and he voices it on set. Like, they're, he's playing it at the same time. Do they, do they, do you know? And it doesn't matter. It's not important. Does he still have a voice modulator? Yes, he does. Yeah! Yeah, he's, he is speaking into a voice modulator, and him speaking into it triggers both the voice and the lights on the head. <laughs> so all, all of that is simultaneous. That was another thing. It's just the Dalek is very cute in that its ears light up. And it's one little eyeball can look up if it's happy and down when it's sad. (laughs) So they, when Christopher Eccleston pulled Nicholas Briggs aside to talk about this scene, Christopher Eccleston had told Nicholas Briggs that he wanted it to be like a Holocaust survivor meeting a detained Nazi. Because that's kind of what it is. A Dalek is in in many ways a Nazi allegory. They are like, everything must be exterminated except for us. It's imperialist, right? Yeah. It's an imperial, it's genocidal. Like it's, it's a mass genocide of every, of every, of everything other. But another thing for Christopher Eccleston is as he was doing these scenes, uh, well, one thing I like, I noticed is when he's, when the Dalek is demanding an order and the doctor tells him to die, to kill himself, uh, he starts foaming at the mouth. Like he literally spits a bit of foam onto his lip. I cut that. Yeah, that was not intentional. That was just what came with Christopher Eccleston's acting. Good actor moment. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of this was stemmed from, at the time, Christopher Eccleston's father was very ill and dying. Okay. So he had a lot of emotion and a lot of, and a place to put it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he, oh, yeah. Especially if, in that instance... He's yelling at a screen. Yeah. <laughs> or even if there is, he's yelling at the Dalek itself. If, you know. Like even, if they put, even if they put the image on the screen, the Dalek isn't moving. There's nothing no, to act against. I was going to say, there is. Well, even still, that means that he is effectively yelling at something that he can focus his energy towards. But he is not actively yelling at another human being. Yeah. That is an extremely heavy thing to have a another human person going through a wave of emotions and you have to be on the receiving end of that because this is just an acting exercise and if you don't do it you don't pass the class for that day yeah it so i'm sure that there's also a a point of ease with that as well of you can go feral truly feral Especially against, a, especially like when you, if you know what a Dalek stands for, there's, there, you don't have any reason there's to hold no back. There's no empathy. Yeah. Like, like the whole purpose of the story is to, is to take a character, to take a character that has no empathy. In fact, the one time you get it at the early on, it's revealed it's a trick. So there's a part, so I think there's a subconscious part of you that is worried for the rest of the episode. Anytime it's doing something empathetic, it is a trick. Like it's, it really oversells it in the beginning to let you know this is a lie. Well, because there's even a small part that's like, oh, maybe it it's changed. It's yeah. been trapped here for so long. It's in chains. Its little weapons don't work. Yeah. Poor guy. And then one touch from Rose and he's like, I can heal. Yeah. When it started healing itself, healing its like metal body. There was another interesting little tidbit that we got in that first conversation where the doctor tells the Dalek that both the Daleks and the Time Lords were destroyed in the Time War. And not only did they go with it destroyed, apparently the doctor made it happen. Ten million ships on fire. The entire Dalek race wiped out in one second. You lie! I watched it happen. I made it happen. You destroyed us! 
And then he and the Dalek both have the realization that they are alone together in the universe. Yeah. Like, that's just... Oof. Yeah. Mortal enemies both alone in indignity. Yikeroonies. Right? <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. It, because uh... in, in the previous episode, Rose uh, mentions that there is nobody that she can talk to about any of what she's seen because nobody would ever understand. <laughs> and that they're like... The doctor is really the only person that she can speak to, but even he doesn't understand because he's not human. So in this case too, the Dalek and the doctor are the only two beings that can talk to each other about this war, Mm -hmm. but neither will ever understand the other because they were on opposing. Yeah. They're on opposing sides and it's, you know, at least from what, we've seen of the Daleks, they are so one track minded. Yeah. Like, like you described them, you said lawful evil. And I feel like that's pretty, that's pretty strong because the law is basically only Dalek. So there is no other perspective for anyone to have, for them to have for someone else or for them, for someone else to have theirs. All they know is kill everything else. I'm still thinking about like when Rose and then the other, the other big fucking nerd in this episode whose name I'm oh, completely Adam. blanking out on right now when they're running for their lives and the doctor chooses to to close the doors. Yeah. And, you know, you see Adam roll under the roll under the door uh, and then you don't you don't see Rose roll under the door, but you but they they have a moment of pause to let you wonder whether or not she made it. And I'm curious, what did you think happened in that Oh, moment? I knew she didn't make it through. Okay. That, and that's just based off of, you know, what is dramatic storytelling. Because yeah. I, you're very correct. This episode does feel like it really honed in on its pacing. Yeah. Because it did not feel half as long as it is. Yeah. It's a 45-minute episode. It yeah. did not feel that way. Yeah, no. It... There was a lot of ground covered and a lot of story that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and that particular chase is very suspenseful. Yeah. Like, and very good, too, because, like, I I think about if I was in a situation where I had to run up or down a flight of stairs very quick, would I be able to? Because there's a part of me that's like, when you are in a high-stress situation, your adrenaline pumps in. So even if it's not something that you can do in your everyday life, you have adrenaline going through you. You can do anything. That's mom strength, baby. <laughs> that's that's a I there is a baby underneath this car wreckage. I'm going to lift this vehicle to save this infant. You can't do that in everyday life. You got mom strength, adrenaline going through you. Mm-hmm. Anything's possible. Yeah. So in that instance, I, I've always been curious if I would be able to uh, run up several flights of stairs. <laughs> and granted, it's also like, they're actors. They're not going to fully sprint for several takes. Yeah. But I do like that Rose's response after the door closes and she's stuck behind is... Sorry, it was a bit slow. It was... But she also doesn't point fingers. She doesn't say, you did this, you closed the door on me, you didn't help me through the door, it's... Alright, well, I guess see you later then. Well, it was also, I think she was remembering, you know, how the the last episode ended with her mom pleading for her to stay because it's not safe. And she's like, I'm going to go anyway. And yeah, the very good. next 
like next place she goes, as far as we could tell, is into the face of the most terrifying thing she's seen yet. Well, especially since in that moment, too, like she she's immediately paying for her decision in trusting the doctor in deciding to, you know, see space and time, see the world. It was nice that she didn't have an immediate, like, her disposition did not change the doc, or, like, change because of him choosing to close the doors because she recognized, like, this uh, This is the, the... This is what I signed up for. This is the path I chose. Yeah. I chose to see the stars of subterranean Utah. In the year 2012. So you, so you, uh, at the end of the episode, uh, Adam came onto the TARDIS. Yeah, I mean, after uh, Mr. Van Staten got wheeled away <laughs> for the death of two hundred individuals. Yeah, like, like every, basically every security guard except for the ones that are dragging him off. Yeah, which like there is a part of me that's also like, if you were to take that job, you would one hundred percent have signed waivers that said that you accept the risks of accepting this job. Yeah which death is definitely on there, particularly from billionaire crooks with yeah, nothing see, better to do, making people sign waivers that mention death on them about four times within the first page. <laughs> Don't know where else we've seen that. Just a random uh, just a random thing I pulled out of my own imagination. <laughs> Similarly to uh, how, you know, he calls the dialect uh, a Metaltron. Yeah. <laughs> He calls it the Metaltron. The Metaltron. Which, in fairness, the Dalek wasn't speaking. He doesn't know what it's called. Metaltron. You know, like that weird, unattainable stuff in the Avatar movie. Gosh, what's it called? Oh, Unobtainium. That's right. It is It is just like... Uh, Metaltron feels like a 1960s, like, Japanese To be fair, Metaltron superhero. does have the same energy as Robocop, so... Fair. Like, if... If you are given the opportunity to name a thing, and it is the only thing you've ever seen like that, I doubt you're going to look at it and go, your name is Dale. I mean, it is sitting here knowing that Elon Musk had Twitter and decided we're going to re rename it X, because I think X sounds cool. Like he's a fucking 12 year old boy. Feel like, you know, him calling a Dalek Metaltron feels pretty accurate. I'm going to X on X. Yeah. Uh, did you see my X on X? What does that even mean? You don't know. <laughs> They're called tweets, motherfucker. Anyways. I, I hate Twitter. I've always hated Twitter. But now I really hate it. You can't hate Twitter if Twitter doesn't exist. <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> it got to it too. Yeah. Adam uh, walks onto the TARDIS at the end of the episode. Yeah. New new companion? I mean, he'll... I mean, presumably he's got to be there at least in the next episode. I mean, in the, like, 0.3 seconds we saw of the next week's episode. <laughs> yeah, I have to be... He's on! <laughs> so I have to be... Uh, I have to be very careful every time we get through these because I have to stop them right when the uh, coming up on the next episode thing starts because I don't want to... Because I enjoy this... Uh, the cast prophecy that we do and I don't want to ruin any of it. It's called the... Cassie Profassi now. Ca All right. Cassie, sorry, the Cassie Profassi. Thank uh, you. I, I, I try really hard to cut those out as quick as possible because I don't want to spoil any of that. 
and ruin any of that game because I think it's, you know, one of the more enjoyable aspects of this of this conversation for us. I will say when I uh, was correct about kill all humans and brain in a jar, I my excitement was expressed only through my feet. <laughs> My feet and my little cricket legs. <laughs> <laughs> Just kicks of joy. So we know that you uh, you definitely have positive feelings on this episode. I feel like I, I got do. It. Yeah. I, I do. I, I know when I like an episode because I don't have a lot of notes on it. Yeah, because you were watching it. Because I was actually, actually watching it. And uh, this one I, I didn't have many notes on because a lot of it was me more or less reacting on like, Christopher Eccleston's actor moments mm-hmm. and just letting that sink in and and you know the only parts of the episode I didn't like were was Adam yeah Adam is just because he's he's just a little boring right now but that we're meeting him just like, a little guy yeah I suppose <laughs> just a little nerd yeah I guess but I uh he was really the only part that I for lack of a better term, didn't enjoy because even Van Staten was something that I was like, all right, cool. Is somebody that I 100% was like, all right, this guy exists in real life. Like this isn't even kind of a grandiose aggrandized version of like, what would, what would somebody like look like if they had, yeah, I think, I think in 2005 when this aired, it might have felt a little... Well, he feels a little, like, flat and two-dimensional, but now here we are in 2023 seeing all like, the billionaires that are like, no, this is just dead on. There's no... Yeah, no. You can spend billions of dollars building a submersible that isn't tested and willfully take people down to look at the Titanic, and you can build a rocket ship that looks like a fucking dick and balls. Having a underground nuclear bunker slash extraterrestrial museum feels pretty tame yeah. for lack of a better term yeah it uh yeah it's one of those where it's like hmm this is only aged well <laughs> in yeah. a way i don't like this is the it, it was one of those moments where i went how did they know <laughs> very matt graining of them to yeah. predict the future in a very uncanny way that makes you go Hmm. So just a few uh, interesting notes that I think might be fun to talk about. Uh, so in between, uh, in that era where Doctor Who was not on the air, uh, a company named uh, Big Finish was releasing audio dramas uh, that actually they brought in the they brought in the actors that played the Doctor. Um, and they had they would sometimes have the, the companions from the show also come in. Sometimes they would introduce brand new companions um, sort of as a way of showing, like, these are the adventures that you didn't see on the show. Um, okay. And Robert Shearman, who wrote this, wrote one called Jubilee and adapted Jubilee into this episode. So he had a few... So he had been working on this for a little while. So those radio dramas, though, were still Who adjacent? Or Doctor Who adjacent? Like, they, or... they were... Cons- at the time, they were the closest thing to the Doctor Who show you could get. They were... Okay. Like, they they were you, they were playing the Doctor. It wasn't just, like, a, a, a cool... A, a kind of cool thing. So, so it, it's... And bear with me. It's the same as, like, when TV shows have graphic novel. Yes. Okay, where it's like, these are still canon-ish. Yes. 
gotcha. And there are, okay. I mean, there are Doctor Who comics as well. So like all, there's this whole other side of it. But the closest that ever came to the show existing when the show didn't exist mm-hmm. were these big Finnish dramas. Um, and so Robert Shearman wrote one called Jubilee, and then adapted it into the show. So so I think that's part of the reason why it comes out so solid is that it has been, it has been an episode that has been worked on a couple of times already. They had their first draft already. Yeah. Or their, uh, their first run through. And also what kind of makes it work, I think, is when Colin Baker, the sixth Doctor, wanted uh, came into the role, he wanted to play the role like Christopher Eccleston plays it. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, at the time, the studio heads did would not have it. Uh, they were not. They had an idea for the Doctor that may or may not have been to tank the show. Uh, mm. So he was dressed like a clown instead of like... And the, like, he wanted, like, the leather jacket and the sweater and just to be kind of... He, that, he basically got... Everything Christopher Eccleston got is what Colin Baker wanted. Okay. And so I think that's kind of why it works. Because it's... Because that it leaned into this doctor that was already kind of what that other doctor wanted to be. Um, I want to see what he looks like. Oh, Colin Baker's outfit? Yeah, we're not getting into this. Okay, I am familiar with this doctor then. Yeah, uh, it's one of the more iconic looks. I mean, I like it, but because it it looks a little silly. Yeah, it's a little silly. Uh, it's like people that that like show. Colin Baker love him. This feels like we're making Doctor Who into a kids show. Yeah, that was kind of the angle. Is Colin Baker didn't want to do that. He wanted to play this like very kind of, cool. Not even cool, like a dark mysterious doc like there's one scene where he actively chokes the companion um but it was written but that was obviously written with what colin baker wanted and not what he was dressed like yeah um, oh my god yeah just the bard in your party yeah. going completely ham on your paladin yeah exactly Oof. um so i think i think one of the reasons it works so well is because it had so much time to be worked on and Christopher Eccleston does a very good job at making you like him, but also there is... Because he's wearing all black and wearing a black leather jacket and is very, like, close-fitting clothes, He do, he's not a soft, cuddly person. No. He doesn't look that way. His face is, you know, says otherwise, which is why you're like, oh, okay, like, this guy's... Not, he's, not he's, too he's bad. Got, he's got a lot of grins until he, got, he does He's it. got a lot. He looks like a friend, but he does not. His outward appearance is not that of somebody that you would just go up to in the middle of the city and ask for directions to the nearest cheesecake factory. That's <laughs> that's not the energy from behind. But then when he turns around, you'd be like, oh, wait, yeah. So I Help. guess I guess there's one thing we can talk about. Um, I remember in that first episode, you were like, this is not my doctor. And I'm not asking you who's your doctor now because you have no comparison. But how do you feel about his character now that it's had a few episodes to... I'm more intrigued. I I am a little bit upset that it's taken this long for me to go, hmm. Because I usually have a rule and it it's a little bit different for TV shows. Um, but I have a rule when I'm reading specifically. If I read... If I'm reading a book, if I am not grabbed within the first... If I'm not grabbed within the first paragraph or the first chapter, I don't read it. If it's something where it's like, I'm interested enough in the story, like I'm going to wait and see if this takes off, I give it 100 pages. I don't know that 100 pages equals six, six episodes. episodes. I think that's a that feels more like a 200-page situation. <laughs> um, well, we are almost half... We're, we're 
almost halfway through the season, yeah, so in a so, way we're kind of halfway through the book. So there is a part of me that's like, I am a little bit upset that it's taken this long for me to... it. Like, for context, if we were not doing the podcast and you had me sitting down and watching the show, I, I would have been out by... <sighs> By by the last as soon as, as soon as the alien, as soon as the Slovene farted the first time you probably yeah been that's out. when I would have been like okay cool like you had me right before for episode three with the Victorian gas ghosts but now you have me at farting aliens like I'm out this it's... is not uh, for the podcast but I will tell you if we were just watching this I would have skipped those episodes okay I would have skipped for, straight from three to six <laughs> so there is a part of me that's like I I don't feel like it's an honest like. The, his doctor did not immediately grab me. Yeah. And I will say, I think part of that is, I want to say intentional, but I do think Christopher Eccleston is doing a lot more subtle work than you would kind of expect for a show like this. Well, he's also doing a lot of work. Yeah. Because he has to pick up the slack from, what, 40 years? Uh, 16 years the show was off the air. 16 years. Something oh, like wow. that. I'm, I'm probably a little off, but it was, you know, it was off for quite a while. Yeah, so he's having to do a lot of pickup work. Mm -hmm. And, and he's, you know, he's having I, to, like, bridge the gap for people who watched and back I, and then. I also and also imagine, too, people. the showrunners and showwriters and such are having are in the exact same boat. And they there's a lot of not paddling at the right time. And I think this is the first episode where everybody really went, okay, cool. We figured we it out. It. We did it. Yeah, and We're I, doing it. And I'm. I don't think this is the highest point in this in this season. Awesome. I think um, there's another story we've got coming up uh, that is the strongest episode of the series. So we've got not not ser series is in like this season. They call it series one. This doctor. Yeah. So I you know I want to say this is really good, and I think it gets better, and I think the show as a whole keeps getting better for a really long time. Um, there's a point where it sort of hits a peak, and then it sort of fluctuates around there but, but this is anime rules then as long as there isn't a fucking 63 episode arc <laughs> fighting fighting ants Ugh, fighting chimera ants i'll be fine no there is there is no arc that long um jesus christ but i'm glad i'm glad that you're finally i think feeling better about this journey we're going on together yeah uh, now that now that the show has like found itself, and I think I think you're really gonna like some of where it, where it goes from here. Um, there's still some real silliness on the way. Oh, I I expect there to be silliness, and I I am expecting shenanigans and tomfoolery. But I like knowing now that it is it is only to offset the the heaviness. Yeah. Like there, there finally seems to be some kind of balance, which yeah. is, if you know me, you know, I love my balance. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why it took people by storm. And I think this is really where it started. Um, now I'm sure there are some people that will say it really got started when some, when someone else took over the role, but, uh, I'm not one of them. I think it started here. <laughs> I mean, this could also be, you know, like the prologue yeah well i'm glad it seems like you've really uh i turned a corner on your feelings about this adventure together i feel like you're uh i feel like you're a little more excited now especially i was really worried about the farting aliens pushing you away oh no they put don't don't get me wrong they did push me very far away 
Because the minute they walk into the museum and Rose goes, oh, it's an arm from the Slitheen. I went, fuck, no, they're <laughs> back. I was not happy to see them. Yeah, no, they are. Uh, they're thankfully uh, behind us now. <laughs> behind fart. Anyway, uh, we will see you guys <sighs> next time. <laughs> we will see you guys uh, on the next episode of Who is My Doctor? Who is my doctor? Who is indeed? Subscribe, like, share, subscribe. But in all seriousness, thank you for listening to another episode. This one has definitely been my personal favorite so far. I hope you enjoyed it as well. And if you did, please do as my screaming Dalek voice asks and subscribe to this podcast. Share it with your fellow Whovians or give us a like, five stars, a thumbs up, whatever your podcast place of preference has deemed appropriate. I've been thinking more about starting a Patreon where we could give patrons exclusive episodes where I show Cassie maybe some classic Who or one of the spinoff shows. If you'd be interested in something like that, you can let us know on Twitter, Blue Sky, Instagram, or threads at WimdyPod. That's W-I-M-D-P-O-D. Next week, we'll be hopping aboard Satellite 5 to take a look at the long game. So I'll see you next Tuesday, because Tuesdays are now Who's Days.